will proceed no further in this business. Was the hook drunk when you dressed yourself? Has it slept since? And wakes now to look so green and pale and what it did so freely? Privy peace. I dare do all that may become a man. Who dares do more is none. What beast was it then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you dost do it, then you are a man. If we should fail... You fail, but screw your courage to the sticking place, and will not fail. Hello and welcome to the Scottish Film, a podcast that's not about Scottish films. I'm Paul Salt. And I'm Katie Maiden. And today we are heading under down for the romper stomper director Geoffrey Wright's (laughs) 2006 Aussie crime drama, Macbeth. We will proceed no further in this business. Was the hope drunk wherein you dressed yourself? Hath it slept since and wakes it now to look so green and pale at what it did so freely? What beast was then that made you break this enterprise to me? When you dost do it, then you were a man. I dare do all that might become a man who dares do more is none. If you should fail. We fail. But screw your courage to the sticking place and we'll not fail. Yeah, Macbeth in... I don't know if you could tell by our awesome accents. <laughs> Macbeth in Australia. In Melbourne. The movie is set in Melbourne and resembles the decade-long series of murders called the Melbourne Gangland Killings. Have you come across these in your true crimeage? Yeah, I think I... So there's a true crime podcast called Case File, which mm. I'm sure everyone that listens to true crime knows about, which is an Australian yeah. podcast. Well, so. From my brief reading, it seems like one day in 1999, one guy shoots another guy, and then for the next 11 years, they just keep killing each other in retribution. From like, this guy killed that guy, so this guy kills this guy, and then that guy kills that guy. And there were 36 murders as a result of that wow. one initial murder. It's crazy. That is crazy. It is. All in Melbourne. And um, so this film is similar, and uh, critics were not fans and had the puns to prove it. Oh, go on. Colin Dre at Pop Matters said, foul, Fair is foul and foul is fair, but Jeffrey Wright's Macbeth is just foul. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Now, according to Rotten Tomatoes, Cliff Dorkson and David Fear, fantastic names, both said <laughs> this exact thing. Uh, something weakened this way comes, you could say. Nice. Nice. That, that is it. That's quite a good pun, yeah. <laughs> that one's pretty good. Um, okay, well, let's get to these particular critics' feelings on things. Our Upon the Stage, how was it? Okay, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things I liked first. Okay. Start off positive. <laughs> that, start off positive. That frames the conversation a bit. <laughs> let's start with stuff we liked. Okay, so I really liked Macbeth's weird... Moroccan room. Okay, right. So there's this one room that's like this Moroccan theme with like throws and pillows, (laughs) and so that also leads into generally. I quite like the set. Yes, it was interesting. The set. It was very dark. Very dark. Like not dark as in um dark necessarily. Like you know, dark horror dark. It was just a bit of a shot. Like the light wasn't. Yes. Yeah, it was dark. It was. which took away a bit from the fact that you had a couple of like really nice sets. Yes. Um. He he had the basically Macbeth had this big house, didn't he? He did. Yeah. Which Lots was of candelabras. Like, yeah, it was a candelabras, big like four poster bed, that kind of thing. Which which is is cool. Yeah. I like the big house. It was it was enjoyable to look at. It was. Let me say this about how it looks. I think they were aiming for Baz Luhrmann, Romeo plus Juliet. 
Yes. But what they got was the craft or practical magic. Oh my god. I, <laughs> the first thing that I noted was the craft. That's exactly <laughs> what I wrote down. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like... Yeah, the, the craft is, is this kind of dark. Yeah, <laughs> and it is the whole thing is nineties goth, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I didn't mind that aspect to be honest. I found it quite nostalgic. I thought about Buffy a lot, <laughs> and I've got more to say on the kind of Baz Luhrmann. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Thing here, mm. but it's just a couple more things that I quite liked. Mm. Um, I don't know if you noticed this, but. Um, in the beginning, when you first meet Duncan, they added in the Lord's Prayer. Ah, interesting. Yeah, which makes him, like, more pious. Mm, yeah, I don't know how historically accurate that is, but, they, <laughs> they, like, whether or not he would have used that. I don't know if he was, like... God, that's a You know, Catholics and Protestants <laughs> use different versions, so... And, and it might have been in Latin at that point as well. So. That is a confusing concept you just introduced in my head. Was the Lord's Prayer time appropriate for the play of which this is an adaptation set in 2006? <laughs> like, well, because we hadn't had the book of... Because Anne Boleyn introduced, like, an English version of the Bible. Huh. But it was, like, James, obviously, like the King James Bible. Yes, of course. really yeah. popularised it. So I don't know... Yeah. If it maybe was still in Latin. Anyway. Anyway. But I quite liked it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, sure. Because it's nice like, touch. oh, he's pious. That's a nice touch. Um, Musically speaking, just briefly, in the banquet scene, yep. there is a piano version of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, the second movement, nice. which is, of course, fav- yeah. famous. So that's definitely not time appropriate for the play. So, yeah, they mixed I, and um, matched. <laughs> I really liked the music, actually. There was some, like, ah. kind of emo, rocky music, which is what <laughs> I was into, like in 2006 yes i I, (laughs) I was like oh this is nostalgic yes yes i'll have more to say about that in a moment when we talk about a certain orgy but before before then (laughs) before then yes yeah i definitely got those vibes and also well yeah some of the there's some other things that they added in Mm. which i liked for example all the guys for example malcolm yeah um and mcduff and everything they all have, like, girlfriends or wives. Yes. So this is the, where we, like... And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It makes them a bit more, like, gangy. You know how, like, yeah. this is a gangster movie. They're all going to have... And I, what I actually called them was divas. Like right. in WWE, <laughs> when you walk in and you have a diva. Because they don't actually do anything. Yeah. They're just kind of there. And I was like, oh, but the, the fact... The reason I like that was because it makes Macduff's wife a little bit more her murder more interesting because you've already met her yeah yeah absolutely i like the fact that banquo's family stays at the house and i'll I'll, yeah they stay at the house so you get to know them and also their murder is particularly rough this time it's like a home invasion you mean mcduff family you said oh sorry yeah the mcduff family their murder is particularly rough because it's like a home invasion style murder yes it is with taunting and it's yeah pretty rough like a kind of like um funny games uh, yeah so yeah um yeah and they made some other i don't know if you want to talk about this now but they made a couple of um adjustments to the ending yes we'll come to that we'll, we'll talk we'll about come that, to that in the next section what yeah. about you what did you I think feel about this film too stylized in places which detracts from the overall impact in particular the final kind of fight yes where yeah. um i don't think we need to do a plot rundown it's very close to well we'll talk about that very close to shakespeare but it's very close to shakespeare um and the final fight you know gangster the, the enemy army attack and it's in this low frame rate cranked up kind of 
jerky slow motion with flashes and you know whoosh sound effects and it just it just yes. doesn't feel kind of real mm. um it's also not too much fun <laughs> you know you've yes. got to have a bit of sense of fun with some of these movies um I have to, yeah, I have to just say, I did mention some positives there, but oh, I have yeah, to yeah. say, in general, uh, I didn't enjoy this one. It wasn't <laughs> very great. Much. No, it no. <laughs> might might be the worst one. Um, yeah, it probably is one of the worst ones. This one of Men of Respect, I think. And it's interesting how the mafia thing is um, <laughs> kind yeah. of drawing it down. I just think we need to just, Joe and Beth is just Yeah, they the did it right. They got mafia. it right. We need to move yeah. on. Move on. <laughs> How about firefighters? I don't know why that came to mind. It just did. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's not too much fun. Side complaint: a lot of the guys look the same, which um, oh my gosh, yes. made it tricky to engage with the politics. I mean, to some mm. extent, it doesn't matter too much. It's you know they're just Macbeth's men. Mm. They're Macbeth's men. Some of them like him, some of them don't. Ultimately, pretty much all of them turn on him, and that's all that matters but that does detract somewhat from your investment in what's going on also hmm. um macbeth looks a lot like gerard way yeah who's gerard way um the lead singer of my chemical romance oh yes of course and yes. i looked at him and i was that's all i thought for like the whole movie i was like you are gerard way he's got a grungy aesthetic it's sam worthington yeah. you know of avatar and um Cla- yes, clash yes, of yes. the titans fame he wasn't in much good <laughs> stuff i'm afraid he was in the debt he was good in the debt um but it's Sam Worthington, and he's got long, grungy hair mm. and some very interesting fashion choices I look forward to talking about <laughs> later. But yeah, they're going for... It's weird. The, I, I would say 90s goth is what they're going for here. It's the crow, you know? It's um, candelabras and long hair and black clothing. And yeah, the effect is a little campy, but it doesn't have that sense of fun in the narrative to yeah. really follow through. Yeah, so like through. in the way... In the way that the craft or practical magic yeah. is fun, it's like yeah. it has that obviously eminent of creepiness, but it it's for the craft and practical magic are for like teenage chicks, yeah, who are like thinking they're witches, and you know that and their boyfriends who have been made to watch it. This is not for them. So yeah. who is this for? Exactly, and like yeah, yeah not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, not 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 really for me either, and. We'll come on to another reason I don't think it works very well in a moment. But um, a couple of other little just details um, of the film. Banquo's back on a bike. That's weird. Second, Yeah, motorbike. Yeah. yeah, second week in a row in which Banquo's been killed while cycling with Fleance. Um, I guess it's the modern equivalent of being out horse riding. And most yes. of the time, Banquo's killed on a horse. So I want someone to do it where he's like going geocaching. <laughs> when like... we do our very modern reboot of this <laughs> he'll be out playing pokemon go and someone's gonna I mean, shoot that's, in the head you know that is what you'd be doing with like because he's supposed to be going hunting so what's the opposite <laughs> and what's the modern oh my god. geocaching that is oh my god that's amazing. yeah banquet will or you join pokemon us for our go. feast i've got there's a there's a goat there's a golduck i've really got to get <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> I am going to murder you for that. God, this is such a random detail. I, uh, if To mention this, I should have a lot more things like this or no things like this, but <laughs> I have one thing like this. When Mac- Macbeth at the very end of the movie opens up the safe in order to get a gun to fight off the enemies, he's got a ton of handguns in there, like a whole row of identical handguns. And that was good because it articulated the loneliness of Macbeth's position in that moment. Like, lack of guns is not his problem right now. The problem is he doesn't have any hands to hold them because everyone has abandoned him. 
and that was a yeah that was a good little there thing. are actually a couple of moments like that yeah um that i noticed too like um to do the ending which we'll talk about sure. in a second after we talk about how how much like shakespeare is okay well should we do that now let's let's do fair is foul foul is fair um how close are we to shakespeare okay well they use shakespearean language all the way yes. through the brave Macbeth, well, he deserves that name, disdaining fortune with his brandished steel, which smoked with bloody execution like Valley's minion till he met the slave, which ne'er shook hands nor bade farewell to him till he unseamed him from the nave to the chops. Yeah, so close. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a couple of things, like the added in Lord's Prayer. There's a couple of lines as well where he says yeah. something like, you know, I don't remember exactly, but some. Just an explainer line every now and again. Yeah. However, mm. can I just say, and this is where I want to just talk about Basil Ehrman for a second. Okay. Is where I was talking to Matt about this and he said, yes, but Basil Ehrman makes it modern and uses Shakespearean language. And I said, but he does it well. And that's because yeah. he, they act with the words. So, for example, that bite my thumb at me, sir... Mm. Like that whole scene is very modern. It's in a gas station. Yeah, but it's like you're flipping the V's at someone, or like calling them a wanker or something, because yeah. they play it well. They it me- he makes you understand Shakespearean language yeah. because of the way that the actors deliver the lines, and this is not how to do it. No, because I reckon, and about I got to the bit with like Duncan's murder. And I thought, you know what? If I didn't know what was going on, I would not understand that they had decided to kill Duncan. Yeah. Because they didn't deliver the lines in the way that you should if you're doing a modern adaptation of Macbeth. Yeah. Do you see? Do you understand what I mean? I think so. I think there's also something about Baz Luhrmann's style. It's so stylistic. And I know we've talked about how this is stylistic to a fault, but there's something about Luhrmann's... It's not just that he leans into it more. It's just that he's better at it. It's it's what it comes down to is he's just better at presenting you of a stylized situation which, you know, is it, it makes sense that this is Shakespearean language set in a ultra modern, you know, setting with the flash cuts and all of the extraordinary yeah. design just because this yeah. is the camp vision you're presented with and it it feels consistent here, the language the Shakespearean language feels like a barrier or something that's going to yes, trap our ab- characters absolutely yeah the characters there are scenes in here which are new. Where, like, um, a couple of policemen go and see... I think it might be Ross. But um, they go and see someone, and then there's other scenes which are whole cloth. Or they've introduced a new element, like Banquo and Fleance One, I think it's um, Malcolm making out with a woman in the hallway. Um, and then we follow them into their bedroom. But because there's no Shakespearean language about this, they're just silent. Yeah. And have to do it through motions and such. And it just feels like they're being constricted by yes, the language rather than yeah, you making absolutely. use of it. Yeah. I think if you're going to make it a gangster movie, just don't use Shakespearean language. <laughs> Maybe. This is the first one we've covered where it's uh, Shakespearean language in a modern setting. Just um, take bits of it and then and then cut yeah. it in. Like That's what I thought they were going to do. Scotland PA. Like, not Scotland PA. Like um, Shakespeare retold. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, that's a, it's a great example of how, you know, you can use a modern setting and and yeah. make Shakespeare enjoyable. Well, make the story enjoyable. Yes, because this is technically closer to Shakespeare because it oh, has yeah. all the words in it. Yeah, well, not all the words. They did cut out. Thank God they cut out Act Oh four, yeah, yeah. Two, part one. <laughs> yeah. Um, part two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
they also did this weird thing that I don't know whether I liked or not. Okay. I mean, I didn't hate it, but I also was a bit... Basically, I was confused for mm. most of this movie, I think is the word, um, where they took some of the monologues and made them internal mm. and some were out loud. Right. So some it was almost like there was narration. Am I right in saying that it was only in one scene? A king that shall be. That is a step on which I must fall down or else I will leap where in my way it lies. Oh, stars, hide your fires. Let not light see my black and deep desires. Because Macbeth is walking um, away from three the... three scenes. There's three. That's not common enough to establish that there is narration. So there's... Um, Lady Macbeth has two and Macbeth has... Oh, maybe it's four. I think Lady Macbeth has two and Macbeth has one that I noted, but maybe yeah, there's another one. I only noticed one. It was when he was walking away from the, the meeting where he's just been told that he's going to be fain of um, Cawdor. And he, th- he thinks to himself, you know, oh, that's a step I must have, you know, overstep or else pass through. Ah, so we have that one. Yeah. So that's one. We have um, the um, unsex me here. Right, okay. Is in her hair, is, is over voice. Okay. And it's almost like she's a witch. Did you get that too? Where she's, it's almost like she was kind of speaking to some sort of higher power, but not yeah. like a good higher power. But then they don't establish that throughout the whole movie. It's just in that one scene that she's yeah. kind of witchy. Yeah. It's, it's um, odd. And then we have another Lady Macbeth bit. Mm. Um, I think just after the murder. Uh-huh. And then the final scene mm. is narration from Macbeth. Yes, yes, the very close yeah. is um is is voiceover. So, so it's yeah, like it's, you're right, it's not consistent enough to be narration. It's yeah. just weird. It's it, like it feels like oh, we wanted to have this dialogue in the story, but we weren't sure yes. if we wanted to have monologues or not. Well, exactly. So the if you're going to do the soliloquies in their head, you can do that. We've seen it be effective in the other versions of Macbeth. Yeah, where they're just kind of thinking and stuff. Um, but then it doesn't really. Yeah. yeah, be consistent. Yeah. Um, so that was something that was weird. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was strange. Um, I, I'll come one point that was raised by Colin Dray at Pop Masses, because I read his review after his pun. Um, is there an inherent issue with making Macbeth a gangster? Because this guy complains that at the beginning of the movie, we see Macbeth execute a whole bunch of people, murder them brutally, and then he's meant to have this downfall, and he says, "No, the whole point of Macbeth is to uh, to be a fall from grace, and you can't start in a position of grace if Macbeth is a gangster." But I think I beg to differ because in the bloody sergeant scene, don't we hear about some of the grisly details about what Macbeth has been up to in a battle? He says stuff like, "Oh, we split him, you know, from stern to stem to stern and such," and you know, yeah. his steel was flashing. Well, yeah, I mean, some of those are the words in the play, right? Yeah, I think the play establishes that Macbeth starts as an effective warrior who's capable of very bloody action. So, yeah, I think it actually know. kind of works as a gangster movie. I think it so. just do- it just didn't work here. Yeah, agreed. Because we're using Shakespearean language and not changing it to gangster language, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, Melbourne gangster, gangster language. language. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me, but I speak jive. Um, <laughs> He is still king. 
And I'm like, what is oh. this dude the king of? Like, he's not the king, is he? They he's still like... refer to him as the king, right? And they still refer to him as the king. And I was just like, that doesn't work. Like, That's he needs to be like the kingpin or he needs to be like, yeah. the, you know, whatever they call him, the Don or whatever. I hadn't noticed but that. just referring to him as the king, it doesn't make sense. He's no. also, he had um, um, Dunce name. Oh yeah, on his on his like front door, on his like gate You're right. outside his house. Yeah, and I was like, why throw that in? Like, yeah. just leave it out. Like, it doesn't. Cumberland was it? Well, because they have the whole. They're going to do the witch prophecy later. They're going to have the Burnham Wood yeah. coming to Dunsinane, and I think Cumberland was the name of a hotel. It was. It felt a bit forced rather than cute. You know, in yes. the past, some of that has been quite cute and amusing. That oh right, that's how they're adapting that. But it's yeah. a fairly straightforward way of doing it. Of just putting their names on buildings and such. Because in Joe mm. Macbeth, they had the scene where Dunstanane came to the, like, literally came to his house. The, th- no, sorry, the the wood came to his house. I think so, yeah. They they, they did, yeah. yeah. And it, it was fine. Yeah. Like, ugh, anyway. I'm, ki- I'm quite fond of how they ended up doing that, but we'll talk about that in a moment. They didn't okay. make very big changes to the overall thing. They cut out some scenes and they glossed over some stuff. For the most part, we stay very close to the structure. But mm-hmm. there are some changes and some of them make sense. So here are those. Banquo doesn't hear the prophecy. It's probably the biggest one. Yes. Macbeth he, um, gets it on his own. He's like hovering in the background or something. He's not in the scene, I don't think. Is he not? There's something to... He's like maybe in the next scene or something. Maybe, but... Yeah, but he's not there. No. No, and that... I feel like that makes sense because the benefit of Banquo seeing the prophecy is that potentially it makes Macbeth more paranoid because Banquo knows about the prophecy, so maybe 100%. he's going to kill yeah. him. Maybe That's why. That's yeah. why. That's why, yeah. generally. But... He could still be nervous about it because of... It depends if you want Macbeth to be more afraid of Banquo or just this intangible concept of fate. Yeah. Is fate going to make his sons kings or is Banquo going to make his sons kings by killing Macbeth? The thing is, I quite like that Banquo sees the prophecy because it it solidifies their relationship in a way because it shows how their relationship goes from like BFFs. Yeah. You know, like they say in Throne of Blood, he's my best friend. Yeah. um, (laughs) To like, you know, him killing him or having him killed. So I I do like the way that their relationship like deteriorates. Yeah. And I like the little exchange afterwards. You're to be king and you're to beget kings. Those same same words, you know, and... Yeah, that is quite good. So, yeah, that's a debatable one, but it's an interesting change. Um, as we already said, Macduff family also stays at Macbeth Castle on the night of the murder, and that's a good yes. change, I think. It means they're around before their murder, which is good. We get a bit more Macduff as a family man. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, there's a party, and, fu- and this isn't the first time we've seen this. There's a party which might also be Duncan's funeral, I'm not sure. Where tensions rise between Macbeth and Banquo. And I think that's good yes. because in the play, murder happens. Everybody's very shocked that night. Then Banquo's soliloquy about how you, you know, played most fiercely for it or whatever. And then he goes off hunting and next scene, Macbeth is deciding to hire killers. I like a scene yes. where there actually, there's tension building between them. But again, happen to happen wordlessly in this because there's no Shakespeare equivalent lines. So, okay, yes, I really like this one. Macbeth's soliloquy the whole thing about a fruitless crown they have placed on my head, in this is him explaining why Banquo has to die to Lady Macbeth. I like that. I like the idea that he Yeah, I noticed that scene as well Mm. in the way that, yeah, he was kind of she was there, like, holding him from behind, wasn't she? Yeah, usually he he was kind of saying, look, this is why I have to Yeah. However, I do think they needed more of that in the original 
conversation between the two of them mm. when she's telling him to kill Duncan. Because it, it doesn't abrupt. come across that uh, okay. way yeah. at all. Like I was, she's not forceful. She wasn't like. Yeah. It just, I would have been really confused if I had not known. Well, I would also be confused because this is Shakespearean language, <laughs> and I'd be like, "What have I turned on?" Yeah, and I would be confused if I didn't know the the plot. I mean, this is coming off of a really good persuasion scene last week, and. Um... Uh, retold, you know, where yes. James McAvoy and his wife, you know, have first of all a really intense, humiliating kind of, you know, what kind of man is it who'd be happy in your position, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, and then a really compelling, you know, remember that baby who died with us, therefore go kill this guy. You know, that was that was pretty powerful in the last one, so it comes off quite palely here. Mm-hmm. Last change, and I'm sure you'll be happy with this because we have mentioned it before. Fleance is in the army that attacks the house. Yes. So there's, I mean, there's a, a whole load of changes to the end. Mm. Okay, let's there's, start um Well, first of all, when, <laughs> first of all, there's a weird bit with lasers. Okay, I may have missed the lasers. Oh, no, <laughs> you mean the sights on their guns. Yeah, yeah, it's like he's, I don't know, but he makes it like he's trying to avoid these like sights on the on the gun and it looks like the lasers is a bit weird. <laughs> but okay, so here's, here's the ending that, that the changes. Yeah. He gets shot, uh-huh. and he goes into the bedroom to die with Lady Macbeth. Which I quite like. So he's like lying down next yeah. to Lady Macbeth when he dies, which is, is nice. It yeah. shows that side of Macbeth who actually still really loves his wife. Yeah, if I'd bought the relationship between them better, that would have been really quite something. But knowing all I do about Macbeth and Lady Macbeth, I did like the idea of them dying you know, in each other's arms, so to speak, even though she was already yes. dead. Yeah. Um, Fleance? Mm-hmm is there he has a gun yep and he shoots yeah. the nurse or yes um randomly she i think she's just the maid i mean she's the character yeah, who she's has the, i think she's Mac- lady Macbeth's lady in waiting yes she's the character who in the sleepwalking scene bounces off the doctor you know um, yes and she yeah. like randomly shoots her yes which is odd um, um and guess, then at the, yeah. right at the end, Malcolm is sitting there and his hands are covered in blood. Yes, I didn't see that happen. And they really like that like, callback to the fact that their hands ah, were covered in blood. Good stuff. So it was like an out damn spot moment for B- Malcolm. That's good. And then we had the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow at the very end, narration yeah. at the end over the top where I was like, hey, this isn't where this comes. <laughs> um, but again, I guess, you know, if they're going to do narration, I might as well just stick it in there. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time and all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death out out brief candle life's but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more yeah i have an issue with the placement of that because the thing is yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> there is an argument, was Shakespeare a nihilist? And the argument revolves usually around the tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow speech, which is a very compelling and well-phrased summary of the nihilistic argument. You know, it's a yes. tale told by a madman, told of sound and fury, signifying nothing. A poor player, yes. you know, etc. Um, but you have to be careful about distinguishing between things Shakespeare has said and things that Shakespeare has written. Oh, yeah. Shakespeare put those words in the mouth of a man at the end of his rope. 
You know, it wasn't like the heroic character espousing some brilliant new way forward for the world. He puts it in a guy just before he's about to be killed and has given up on everything. Yeah, Macbeth is not a good guy. Exactly. He's not putting it in the mouth of someone who is a hero. Yes. Like, if you think about people who are heroes in Shakespeare's plays, he doesn't give them lines like that. He is very, like, particular about his heroes. (laughs) Yeah. And the only other person who has a similar speech is Hamlet. You know, man delights not me, nor, nor women neither, you know. Again, not a nice guy. <laughs> Though, actually, probably one of my favourite characters. In oh, God, yeah, he's brilliant. But in that moment, he's actually trying to convince Rosencrantz and Guildenstern that he's slipping, you know, into madness. Yes. He's, you know, mm-hmm. doing that on purpose. So I think calling Shakespeare... He's, Shakespeare's a guy who understood nihilism and wrote about it very eloquently, but he's not a person who, for whom that was his worldview. And so... No, of course not. You don't yeah. write a hundred and... 50, 137, I think, Oof. sonnets at the end. <laughs> I'm sorry, you just don't. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, putting that speech, therefore, at the end as a closing narration kind of makes it feel like that's the thesis for this story. Yeah. This is the conclusion no. we can reach. And it's not really. I mean, if you really want to get to some sort of inherent meaning behind Macbeth, I think ultimately it's a slightly old fashioned, you know, don't try and subvert the natural order style dealy you know yeah or don't, don't be seduced yeah or you know don't succumb to your tragic flaws like yeah. it's another it's a tragic flaw one just like sure. you know othello just like hamlet just like romeo and juliet you yeah know, his tragic flaw is ambition and yeah. also fate yeah absolutely i don't think so i think by making the the, the sort of central argument of this that nothing means anything you know it does bespeak the sort of grander problems of the film which is a little bit of a sense of what does it all mean? Which could be done more interestingly, but unfortunately a lot of that comes from the aesthetics of this in as much as I'm just not sure what it all meant. A <laughs> um, couple of other little details. Okay, um, yeah, three things to discuss here. First of all, Banquo had an earring. Yes. Which did. gets plucked off of his ear by his murderer, presented to Macbeth as proof that his... That Banquo has been murdered, which is interesting. The only other time I can think of the murderer bringing proof was Throne of Blood, where he brings him his head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the earring falls out of Macbeth's pocket and is found by Ross Lennox, whatever, the homogenous mass that is his men. Um, <laughs> and then that becomes part of why people turn against him. Interesting, potentially unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Yeah, his men because got... Ross has the information that Macduff's family has been murdered. Exactly, and also so you don't they need all saw an him. Earring. They all saw him freak out at a dinner. You know, they have reason to distrust him. Yeah, and also, you know, have you seen his hair? <laughs> How can we follow this man? Um, okay, Burnham Wood coming to Dunsinane is a logging truck called like Burnham Wood Loggers, <laughs> <laughs> and they have huge logs on the back, and they use that to smash in his gate at Dunsinane. I mean, it's. Funny. It kind of works. It kind. I guess it kind of works, but like, why didn't they just leave it out? Like, <laughs> well, because he uh, has to feel invincible. Um, yes, I know, I know. But yeah. like, yeah, they used Shakespearean language. They could have just used people like yeah. with trees. That's true. And and once again, we have the awkward thing of um, women born in a modern film, which just yeah, as not as out of place with men of respect, but still feels a bit odd. Yeah, you don't say that. If you say, yeah. you know, if you were born by cesarean section, as I was, you say I was born by cesarean section. You don't yeah. say not of woman born. Yeah, you were still born. Untimely a plugged from my mother's <laughs> womb. I've never once said that in my life. Like I just I'm gonna did. start saying it though. I'm 
I'm gonna do it. If people say, "Hey, were you born more but were you born like naturally?" I'll be like, "No, I was untimely ripped from my mother's womb." People Let's need see what they say. People need to stop asking you that. It's getting weird. <laughs> they ask me that all the. It's all the, the first t- thing people ask. Me. <laughs> they just see you and they're like, "Hang on." In like interviews and stuff, it's so weird. <laughs> okay, one last visual quirk: shadow dagger. Now, this is good, I think. You know, we've talked before about the benefits of having an actual dagger or an artificial dagger. Macbeth sees a shadow shaped like a dagger, and it's like, is this a dagger I see mm. before me? Actually, a shadow cast by a plant. <laughs> it's the, oh, no, it's just a plant. It's my, da- it's my <laughs> dagger plant. I have. <laughs> Fucking dagger plant that's always, it's always <laughs> happening to me. Fifth time this week. What's going on? <laughs> Um, okay, let's get into our regular segments. Extra ghosts. Um, uh, yes. Well, we have Banquo, Banquo. who shows up yeah. as a ghost in the mirror. Yeah. And he's starting with the man in the mirror. I quite like that because it's like he can see him in the mirror and nobody else can. Yeah, that makes sense. It's not like he's just sitting there. He's like yeah. in the mirror. Yeah, and then uh, the ghost tries to choke him at one stage, which is legit. You can have the ba- ghost of Banquo attack yeah. Macbeth. He can be corporeal, that's fine. Yeah. I always find it creepier, though, if he's just kind of staring, you know? Yeah, I prefer it when he's just, like, sitting in a chair. Yeah. Like, bloody in the head kind of thing. Yeah. And just staring. <laughs> and it's like... Because then it's clearly a manifestation of his mind. Yeah. I mean, as my, well. my favourite ones have been the more gruesome ones. Tragedy yeah, of Macbeth obviously. and <laughs> the animated Macbeth, which had proper gory locks. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that was gory. I kind of want a poster of that. It was oh, so my God. Good. <laughs> so pretty. Anyway, not of the not of the bloody thing. <laughs> Um, no extra visions. No, no we'll extra talk visions about... from the witches. We didn't need them. <laughs> no, we'll talk about the vision scene in a moment. But uh, yeah, we, we had other stuff to be looking at. Um, <laughs> Ross's poker face, he doesn't really try. Ross does no, show up. No, he doesn't. He shows up and he just tells him. Well, he's like, um, what of my family? And he just kind of stands there for a bit and he's like, well, you know, a negative of your speech, you know, etc. So... Yeah, it's fine. And Ross finds out because he sees it on the news, which fixes that little plot hole of how does Ross actually know about the murders because yeah. he left Yeah, beforehand. that's an easy way to fix that plot hole. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, like that's that. pretty good. No porter. I thought we were going to get something from... Right? Like, I thought we were going to get it because they had um, the A way that they... Could, yeah, Macduff and Malcolm... Macduff and Macbeth, yeah, they've got this intercom. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be like a like a guy in the house who would go and he'd see him on the intercom. Yeah, absolutely. But, but no, nah. no, no porter. No, none of that. All right. Now, it's been a while since we've had one of these with some Shakespearean language, but whenever we do, there's always bits of the language that stand out to me. Um, so I've got a few points on that. First of all, what does Duncan mean? After the original <laughs> Fane of Glam's has Ever. been... Ever? What is he talking about? <laughs> After Cordor has been killed, and often we see that this happens in front of Duncan. That's a legit way that they've done this. Uh, Cordor gets killed in front of Duncan. And one of his men, I forget who it is, says, nothing quite befit him in life like his leaving of it, meaning he conducted himself very well in death. Yes. And his immediate response is, there is no art to find the mind's construction in the face. He was a man with whom I had built an absolute trust. Now, what does that line mean? There was no art to find the mind's construction in the face. You know, there's that whole thing in Macbeth with, mm. where it's like, do some one thing in your head and show one yeah. thing on your face. This daggers so, and then smiles. Yeah, so is this like another thing like that? He's trying to say, like, don't praise him for putting a show on his face exactly like as he died because he could be thinking anything in his head. I think that's exactly it. And I, yeah? I read, I went online to find out because I was very curious and they said, 
oh, it, it was him talking about how he trusted him and such. But actually, that kind of what you said there kind of marries the two because yeah, I yeah, think so. it, it's like, like um, he could be thinking anything in your head. Like I could, I could be thinking about you know, like mac and cheese while we're having <laughs> like this really in depth conversation about Macbeth. You Katie. don't know. Are you thinking about mac and cheese? I'm right always now? thinking oh about mac and cheese. <laughs> I mean, Macbeth, you know, mac, cheese. Don't ask why I know this, but one of the top five image results when you search for cheese toasty is a mac and cheese toasty. I mean... Top five. Like, that's one of the five... When we eat <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the most five crucial images in order to understand the cheese toasty as a concept. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what it means. And it also ties into the theme of sort of duplicity. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, it's a complete, mm. like, two-faced, everyone's just has two faces, and one of them is in the head. Yeah. Absolutely. Which is weird. Now I'm thinking about a face in my head, but... <laughs> it's in there, whispering to your ears. From the inside. Ooh. I really <laughs> like the line. I think I might have even mentioned this line anywhere, but it stood out to me again when Lady Macbeth is like, what? In our house? And some and Banquo <laughs> says, I mean, it's too cruel anywhere. Your father's murdered. What? In our house. Too cruel anywhere. (laughs) That line is always silly. What? In our house? Too cruel anywhere. (laughs) It wouldn't be better if it happened at my house. (laughs) I mean, I'd rather have it at your house than my house. Check your priorities. This isn't about you. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a sassy line from Banquo. I always love it. Um, Banquet is sassy. He's so sassy. sassy, but he's also a good dad in this. He's a bit of a dilf for me. He um, yeah. There's a scene where he puts on glasses and he looks a bit like Dave Bautista in um, Blade Runner mm-hmm. 2049, and yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> um, next line that I really liked: "They're the murderers, steeped in the colours of their trade." I love that. I love co- being covered in blood is being steeped in the colours of their trade. Their trade being murderers. God, Shakespeare is so poetic. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I love that. That's such a great way of saying, look, they've got blood on their face. Yeah, most people would be like, look, they've got blood on their face. Shakespeare's saying, <laughs> steeped in the colour of their trade. That's so good. Um, okay, this line, I never noticed it before, and it's really good. Um, after he gets his prophecies, right? Prophecy number one, beware Macduff. Yes. Straightforward. Prophecy number two, you will not be hurt by any anyone of woman born. Which maybe you're going to put two and two together and be like, oh, Macduff must not be a woman born then if you're telling me to beware him. But the actual line that Macbeth says is, then live Macduff, what need I fear of thee? But yet I'll make assurance double sure. So just, you know, oh, well, you've told me I'm immortal, so why do I need to beware Macduff? Forget yeah. that. Uh, I better make sure anyway. And then yeah. does the thing that ends up resulting in Macduff killing him. So yeah, that was interesting how the prophecies kind of manipulate him. And I think... Next time we watch one, and next week we are going to be watching one which um, it sticks again to the language. I'm going to try and pay more attention, not only to the prophecies, but how Macbeth re- reacts to each one. And yes, how well, he changes. he's reacting in a very strange way. This <laughs> yes, he has good reason to. <laughs> um, uh, try and not the consequences. Did we see the murder? Oh, yes. We did. And it's getting we a bit... Did. It's getting a bit repetitive, because yes, once again he comes in, he's in bed, and he wakes up before he does it, and it was very bloody, but not gory. They like, He stabbed him, like, a lot of times. Stabbed him a lot. But I never... was like, he is definitely dead. Stop stabbing him. <laughs> Dude. And it was very bloody. There was lots of blood everywhere, but there was yeah. no gore moment, like in tragedy, where you see him, like, get him in the neck. You know, there was... Um... But it was fairly... It was, yeah, very bloody and fairly over dramatic. Yeah. 
Right, let's get to the man himself. Bloody, what bloody man is that? How did we find Sam Worthington as Macbeth? It was alright. It was okay. <laughs> Curer of that. Canst thou not minister to a mind diseased? Pluck from the memory a rooted sorrow. Raise out the written troubles of the brain and with some sweet, oblivious antidote, cleanse the stuffed bosom of that perilous stuff which weighs upon the heart. He did not affect me in any way. I did not find him. I mean, God Almighty, the the act you're following is James McAvoy. Um, Yeah, exactly. That's that's hard. If we had watched this, like, a couple of times ago. Yeah, might have helped. I mean, James McAvoy did Macbeth modern and he did it good and he was crazy and he was awesome and he was hot. And he was charismatic. This guy is unaffecting. Yeah, he was not he, very charismatic. He, and also, you, you've got Shakespearean language. Come on, do something with it. Like, <laughs> yeah. you've got like the most beautiful poetic lines to say, some of them. And yeah. I didn't even notice most of his like good lines. No, and I think with Macbeth, you can play him that he progressively gets crazier and more intense, mm. or you can play it that he gets sadder. And if you're going sadder, it's very hard to make it affecting. And this I was think a he should have gone Macbeth. more sad, yeah. More crazy. Because he was way. definitely sadder because he mm. gets into bed with Lady Macbeth as he's dying. Yeah, yeah. And she, he does the whole, like, make her better scene yeah. sad as opposed to annoyed. But he wasn't sad enough. Yeah, I felt so. And mm. I didn't get much of a sense of the tensions between him and the other men, you know. If you look at John Turturro, where he starts being a dick to everyone, that at <laughs> least, you know, has an impact there. But no, I think some of the more the scenes that did make me notice him were his panic after the murder has happened, um, and in particular him like being startled by the, the door knocking, you know, little moments like that where it's like, oh, wow, there's some blood in that stone, you know, that's, he's, he's alive. <laughs> How is it with me when every noise appalls me? He's actually a person who can react to things. Yeah. Um, and then a bit of him losing it at the end, but not nearly enough. And he spends was... a lot of the climax looking like Bono. <laughs> I quite liked him at the beginning, where he's oh, like okay. in the bar with Banquo and like they're joking around. And I was like, okay, he's going to be like a jokey dude. And then hmm. he just loses all of that. <laughs> I didn't notice jokey dude. That's yeah, just he's like in a bar with Banquo and he's all like, yeah, I've got long hair like Jared Way. What's up? Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, little dull. All right, well, let's get on to that Lady Macbeth. And we've got Victoria Hill. Now, let, let me tell you, I looked at Victoria Hill's CV because I was curious. She's done one other big thing. She produced and was in First Reformed as the church lady who's in love with oh, Ethan Hawke. I loved that film. Yeah. It was so good. Remember we she was together. She was the one who was really like into him and then he snaps at her later on saying you know that he's disgusted by her. And it's, I think yeah. it's implied that he was having an affair with her whilst you know his family was still alive. Yeah, so she that's who that is. Um what do we think of her as Lady Macbeth? Um, I liked her more than Macbeth. Oh yeah, yeah. You spirits that tend on mortal thoughts unsex me here. And fill me from the crown to the toe, top full of direst cruelty. Make thick my blood. Stop up the access and passage to remorse. Come to my woman's breasts and take my milk for gall. You murdering ministers, wherever in your sightless substances you wait on nature's mischief. Again, she's not the most affecting Lady Macbeth. She lost a lot of her lines in, like... Ram- do you see what I mean? She has, so- again, so many amazing lines. Yeah. And I, lo- I lost them. I was looking for them because, you yeah. know, I'm like, okay, where's this line's coming up. The- 
especially, and I know I've said this a couple of times, the bit where he's, she's trying to convince him to kill Duncan. Yeah. It was gone. Like, I was like, no, that's the most important scene. Yeah. <laughs> this whole play. <laughs> and you've lost it. And and they had that whole witchy thing, which is kind of witchy. And I was like, oh, great. They're going to run with something different where she's like kind of mysterious and witchy, but they don't run with it at all. Yeah. And there was there was an aspect oh. of her being like a junkie because she's having a, a an overdose at the beginning. Yes. Um, and this kind of comes up again and it's kind of about her, um, you know, being unstable and it which it, could work as could well work. yeah but but they didn't really run with it enough for it to be like a thing yeah oh do you know what i was just thinking i bet who i know who would be good as if you're looking for an australian actor uh, to play lady macbeth i'd love to have seen essie davis from the babadook amongst other things um oh uh, yeah and you know lady crane from game of thrones i'd love to see her have a go and it does say here that she did play lady macbeth um on stage but not not in a film oh. which is a shame because she wouldn't nail it but quickly let's get let's get to australia <laughs> yeah let's put it on <laughs> again let's get to australia in the 90s so that we can experience <laughs> I, I, this. it could happen it could happen, it could happen. I, I feel like my childhood memories of of like Australian culture is that it's less snow town in the nineties and more home and away. So I feel like we can <laughs> we can fit in, fit in. Yeah, we'll fit in on. We'll home fit and away. in with home and away. We'll fit in on home and away. And that episode where show. where it's all from the dog's perspective. Was that, was that home and away or neighbors? <laughs> oh shit! I remember that. <laughs> it was I can't one remember. Episode. It was all from the perspective of a dog. Oh my god! What a great show that clearly such, is. Such Why good are we talking about Shakespeare? Um. Yeah, so she's kind of messed up at the start. She's a little underwhelming. She has a violent sleepwalking sequence. Yeah, um, she's thrashing around and has to be restrained, and she's naked, and yeah, it, it's it's pretty dramatic. And then we have another bathtub suicide, which I'm sure we've had before. Yeah, I think we have. Um, yeah, I like the fact that the suicide mirror. So she's found at the beginning in mm. the bath, and then she's found at the end. So she opens ah. and closes with being in the bath. Which That's is right. quite a nice mirroring, and and yeah. at the beginning the water is clear, at the end it's blood. So yeah. it's like at first her hands are, would be running clear, and by the end yeah. the bathtub is filled with blood. So it is. Yeah, I don't know good. whether that was deliberate. Like, but, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That's I, a good sure. echo. I, I really liked it. Um, cool. But I, yeah, like I said, I wasn't really affected by her. Yeah. You can do so much with Lady Macbeth, and you can. I guess she just lost that. Um, you know opportunity to i feel like so much of this you can summarize with just they didn't quite have a vision for yeah. what they wanted this to be it's it's mm. yeah but anyway um okay well we're the sister then <laughs> now we have these witches they are young women oh hail macbeth oh hail macbeth hail to thee thane of Cornwall. oh hail macbeth that shall be king hereafter <laughs> Introduced yeah, because in as... the first scene, they're in, like, school uniforms. I know, which is weird considering how sexualized they're going to get. But they're schoolgirls vandalizing a cemetery initially, yes. which is another odd detail, which thematically I'm not quite sure how it plays in, other than to suggest that these are women with no respect for the dead, I guess. Yes. I mean, I, you know, it opened and I thought, immediately I thought, yeah, the craft. This is exactly right. what I thought, because it's yeah. chicks in a cemetery in yeah. school uniforms and the craft is one of the best films ever made. <laughs> yeah, I thought about the hippies from Scotland, PA, and I thought, okay, there's 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 places you can go with this. First prophecy, very seductive. They're like yes. on Macbeth. They're rubbing. This might be why Banquo isn't here, incidentally, because that would be weird. Um, uh, I'm gonna go. I'll uh, I'll catch you later. <laughs> 
Have fun. <laughs> with that, with that situation. Kind of seductive. And then second vision. They're just they're, full on orgy. Yeah, full on orgy. They're naked in the kitchen, brewing up their broth. Um, and then they're just, yeah, full on having sex with Macbeth, which... <laughs> Interesting, I guess. Interesting, A, because he has a wife. And B, because, like, he's there's lines where he's, like, old hags and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, Which didn't fit with the fact that they're supposed to be the sex. Also, they were in school uniforms, like, an hour ago. I don't know what to make of that. Um, (laughs) Except to make it maybe more taboo. totally unnecessary. They're already creepy witches. I don't think you need to make it more taboo. Yeah, I just really was... didn't understand why. Why? Why did they do? I just the don't get it. The seductive nature of ambition. Maybe I don't think it was that, Paul. I think it was like <laughs> we need a movie. Let's make these Let's... hot chicks naked. That could have been. I don't. Because I think in it's... real life they're like twenty-five, right? I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, last time we saw naked witches was all of the witches from Verdi. Um, but that wasn't naked in a sexy way. That no, was like that was naked in them... a creepy way. Exactly. It was to make them more feral. I know? love and... being naked in a creepy way. <laughs> it's so often. It's weird. Um, every day. I used to work for schools. It was creepy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was to make them more like feral and natural. And I think maybe it ties slightly into that good old fashioned Victorian male fear of female sexuality. Um, which you've got to love. Love that. Love that. Favorite. Thank you, Bram Stoker. Um, you know, there might be an aspect of that as well, but, you know, just generally, in a moralistic way, sex usually leads to bad things to the people who participate in it. <laughs> um, yeah, he's but- being seduced by the idea of ambition or whatever. But, like, it didn't come off like that. It just came off as, like, all right, yeah. just going to, like, look away from this for a bit. I mean, and again, it was so stylized. It was like a Marilyn Manson video. It was just... Yeah, it was... And it was, like, that weird, like... I don't know, there was... You know how sex is in movies? You don't see, <laughs> like, someone, like, doing the boring stuff, like... <laughs> yeah, just the... the missionary. The sort of strapping. Was, I know. was like, this isn't good sex. <laughs> you very rarely get that part of it. <laughs> I was like, why is he... This isn't good sex. <laughs> Yeah, it's Ugh. just a sort of Desperado-style rive-about. Um, interestingly, they came to him um, in the f- yes. second vision. He didn't they go were and find them. They in his house. They are in yeah. his kitchen, yeah. All naked and such. It's why like, did Macbeth come downstairs? Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> that could have been a whole different situation. Um, I've written the note, what do they want? And I know this is something that's not implicitly said in Macbeth, but often adaptations have a go at trying to imply what it is the witches are actually up to, and I got no sense of it really I mean, they don't really want anything. So they're just causing mischief. I think that's why is they that have that, yeah. that scene at the be- beginning where they're vandalising, like, a graveyard. Yeah. So they're just causing mischief. The and they don't chaos. even need to be real, really. Maybe that's what was implied. Yeah. Well, the fact yeah. that only Macbeth can see them, and yes. Michael Khan, yeah. implies perhaps they're not real. And he's yeah. just having a really weird masturbation <laughs> session <laughs> hey we've all had them <laughs> all right he needs not our mistrust it's our last segment there are only two murderers so there's no third yes. murderer and they <clears throat> and this is becoming a common thing it makes sense they remain as henchmen for Macbeth. but yes interestingly after near the end they decide to abandon Macbeth. yeah and run into the woods and are found by the army and are then personally murdered by Macduff. Fair enough. 
Fair enough. Um, one interesting little visual bit of that is, first of all, Fleance has to watch, which is very much part of, like, Fleance's undoing, becoming a bit more fragile. But also, the men hold hands before they're killed. And that was yeah. kind of touching. It was yeah. nice that they reached out to each other. That's some uh, You Were Never Really Here style stuff going on there, of sort of tenderness between murderers. That's I like that. Unexpected. Uh, but yeah, Macduff gets his revenge for once. His direct revenge, because... I don't know. It's Weirdly, I've not been cognizant of the murderers sticking around and being the ones who did in Macduff's family before. Yeah. I haven't noticed that before. No, I think it's usually Macbeth, isn't it? No, it's usually just some men that Macbeth Or just some other... Well, sometimes it is Macbeth, though. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, it has been. Well, right back in the beginning, Orson Welles was around when it happened. You know, he was... Of course, Orson Welles wanted to be in every scene. Yeah, true. (laughs) So I could be in this scene. I wanted him in every scene. (laughs) Um, All right, let's sum up on Macbeth 2006. Feels a little unmotivated. It's a bit at odds with itself and kind of like an experiment without a thesis. Yes, if they had gone full on like emo, gothy, witchy, the craft style thing. I mean, why not just set it in a high school? Yeah. (laughs) Or something. Like, just go like completely, don't do gangster unless you're going to do like, Get rid of Shakespeare language. Yeah. Go full out gangster with like Boston accents and everything. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't I don't think it worked at all and I would not recommend this one. No, I don't think so. I don't think it's worth it. It's kind of a relic of its age as well, which hasn't Yeah. Well it's it's a relic of the age before it really. It's very yeah, 90s for it's being weird. A 2006 it's 90s film. where it's so dated. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. But hey, few good things in there as we've uh, as we've mentioned i think actually a lot of the stuff that didn't involve macbeth was quite good yeah they handled a lot of the other scenes like banquo and um macduff they handled those quite well so yeah, yeah. anyway okay a charmed life what is katie's shakespeare fact okay this is a good one mm. so uh when is shakespeare's birthday paul oh the same day as his death day i don't know when though <laughs> that's the 23rd of april so that's when okay. we celebrate um Shakespeare's birthday which is also st george's day uh-huh. and also my parents anniversary hello hello, hello to them um <laughs> but okay uh, shakespeare was one. born under the old julian calendar oh my god and not the current georgian calendar which was created in 1582 and adopted in fifteen. 15- in 1751. Whoa. Right? Yeah. So, what was the 23rd of April during Shakespeare's life would be the 3rd of May in today's calendar. Wow. So, actually, anyone during that born during that period, including, like, Queen Elizabeth, etc., their yeah. birthdays are actually kind of wrong. Wow, that's crazy. I feel like that's something I should have been way more cognizant of back when I was working as a historian. I'm sure I've delivered some fairly erroneous information based on that, but wow, really interesting. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, I think it's still correct to, to celebrate it on that day, on the 23rd yeah, sure. of April, but technically, his birthday is <laughs> the 3rd of May. Yeah, you never let the facts get in the way of a good, good <laughs> celebration, and that's why I was a bad historian. <laughs> um, but if people want to learn about good history, where can they find out about Katie's stuff? Well, they can listen to my other podcast, Have You Ever Heard Of?, which is a history podcast where we talk about people that you may or may not have heard of. Our latest episode was on Bodicea. Um, Woo! It was awesome, yeah. Um, and you can go to my blog, katiewritesabout.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at katiewritesabout. That's Katie <laughs> with a Y. 
the best way to spell it. <laughs> um, and what about you, Paul? With a well, with st- a Y. <laughs> with a Y. Weird. I spell it the Celtic way. Um, you can stay right here on Screen Mayhem, uh, where we've got reviews and various other things, so you can just check all of that stuff out and podcasts as well. Or you can go over to One Good Thing. OGT pod where me and another guy named Paul we look out for all this stuff that's good and bad films and um yeah maybe you should have done this one. Oh no we could have done the reviews are poor enough <laughs> <laughs> oh god meanwhile right back here we are in the home stretch we've just got the 2010s left and <gasps> we start in the decade year itself with BBC 4's Patrick Stewart Macbeth Oh, I love him. Love him. And now we'll have had Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. We'll have had the whole X-Men Macbeth. Um, unless you Jackman did it. That would be something. That would be something. Until then, away and mock the time with fairest show. False face must hide what the half doth know. Bloody hell, also the new X-Men. Because Michael Fassbender is Macbeth and Jed Kurzel's Macbeth. And um, James McAvoy. There you go. So all the Professor X's and all the Magnetos have been Macbeth. Lovely. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Goodbye. Come, <laughs> 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 <laughs>